Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I've preached from this passage twice uh, since I have become your pastor, and I suppose that I probably refer to this verse every time that I preach. Uh, most every gospel preacher does. It's a subject that can't be exhausted. Each word in the text has great significance. It's the heart of the gospel, as we say. It gives us the very reason that Christ became a man and dwelt among us. It's the greatest encouragement given to believe the gospel, and it's the epitome and the essence of salvation. It's the only way, and I reiterate the only way, there's but one way that a man and woman can be saved. Paul says it's a faithful saying. It's trustworthy. You can trust in this. It's worthy of all acceptance. Every man ought to bow to it. Every woman should accept it. It's a truth to be believed. What is it? Well, it's a very simple statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, Paul knew something about this truth, and he most assuredly did because he claims himself to be the chief, the worst of sinners. And this is certain, this is true, this is a trustworthy declaration. You can have confidence in it. I want you to leave here this morning with confidence in this. You can depend on it wholeheartedly. You can rest in it completely. And it primarily deals with three things. The Savior, Jesus Christ. The sinner, you and I and all who are born of woman. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We're full of trouble. What is man that he should be clean and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? How then can man be justified with God or how can he be clean that's born of a woman? And then thirdly, this deals with salvation. And salvation is what you and I desperately need. We, we can't save ourselves. We can't. Those that are whole, those that have no need of a physician desperately need salvation. And it comes one way to a sinner, and that's by the Savior. Christ came in the world not to call the righteous. He came in the world to call sinners to repentance. So this morning, I want us to consider these three things that are worthy of our acceptance. And what is acceptance? Not what a lot of folks in religion preach today. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. But acceptance means the consent to believe, to bow to what the Holy Spirit revealed to the chief of sinners here. You know, my father always told me that if you wanted to know how to do something, to get the advice of an expert. And the Apostle Paul declares himself to be the chief expert of sinners. Chief, meaning the foremost in time, in place, 
in order our importance. Chief means the ringleader. <laughs> Been accused of being a ringleader of many things. But Paul says he's the ringleader when it comes to sinners. He's the main. He's the key. He's the preeminent. He's the predominant. The number one expert for sinners. Well, listen to him. So we begin with the first mention in the verse, and that is the Savior, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. What does the name Christ mean? It means the anointed one. What does the name Jesus mean? It means the Lord of salvation. Christ is the anointed Lord of salvation. The anointed Lord of salvation came into the world. He became a man to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I'm chief. You may be sitting here this morning and say, brother, you don't know what I've done. No, God does. And He came to save the chief of sinners. There's no sin that will keep you out of glory. Only your righteousness will. And that is a self-proclaimed righteousness. Christ came in the world. He's not from this world. He created this world. He said, I'm not of this world. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He came from heaven, the very throne of God. He sat with His Father upon the throne of God and He condescended to become a man. His kingdom's a heavenly kingdom. This anointed Lord and Savior is God. He was not a man that became God, but God the Son who became a man. Yes, God became a man. God came into the world to save sinners who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and what humility it was. For God to become a man? He, came, he humbled Himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Anointed One. He's the Lord of salvation to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, verses 6-11. You know, God became a nobody. What a condescension that is. What humility that is. He became a nobody among men in order to save nobodies called sinners. He took on the form of a servant. He took on the shape, the figure of men. He took on the nature, the features of a servant. The very one who was and is to be served. The one who's equal with God. One who was and is God. He came to serve. Not to be served and ministered to, but to minister and serve others. Isn't that amazing in and of itself? God the Father sent God the Son into the world to save sinners. Even the chief. Even the chief of sinners. And that's good news for a sinner. That won't be good news for anyone but a sinner. That's why it's called the Gospel. And this, my friends, is the good news for sinners. 
There is no other gospel. He was made in the likeness of men. Likeness means the shape, the similitude of men, but He was God. God manifest in the flesh. Without controversy, great is the mystery of God. God, God was manifest in the flesh. Men and women make it controversial, but it's not. It's not. The God-man humbled Himself. That's what servants do. The God-man became obedient. That's what servants are. But He became obedient unto death. Not just a normal death, but even the death of the cross. And God the Father highly exalted God the Son. And He gave Him a name that's above every name. There is no other name by which sinners can be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That narrows it down, doesn't it? And that's why every knee should bow. Every knee should right now bow on this earth. But not every knee will. This is why every tongue should confess. Every tongue in this world should right now confess Jesus Christ. But not every tongue will. Not now. But one day very soon, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The Scripture says in heaven and in earth and in hell. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior, is Lord. Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not going to be. You don't make Him Lord. He was Lord long before you ever came into existence. He's always been Lord. He Lord means He's got the power. He's got the authority. He's got the influence. He's the Master and Ruler of heaven and earth. He's superior. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's the Almighty Supreme Savior. The Redeemer, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. And if you won't confess Him now to be Lord, when you stand in before Him in judgment, you will. Because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He's Lord. God's glory is in His Son. Moses said, Lord, show me Your glory. What did the Father say? He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Jesus Christ is all of God's goodness. God said, I'll proclaim the name of the Lord. His name, His nature, His perfections. The preaching of Christ is the glory of God. God said, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. God said, I'll put you in a place by me. (laughs) Guess where that is? You don't have to guess. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, I'll cause you to stand upon a rock. Friends, Christ is that rock. God said, I'll cause you. I'll I'll put you. It's God that does the saving. God said, no man can see my face and live. You see, only those who see the man Christ Jesus, that one mediator between God and men, can see the face of God and live. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. That's what He said. It's God who puts us in the cleft of the rock. Jesus Christ our Savior is the cleft of the rock. God shall cover our sin. You ever thought about that? He covers our sin 
so that he doesn't see it. <laughs> Salvation really is of the Lord. That little preposition of, you can look it up in the dictionary, expresses the relation between two identities. The two identities are salvation and Christ. Salvation and Christ are one and the same. Salvation only identifies with Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith. What more of a Savior could any sinner want than Christ who's God? <laughs> is not He who made the heavens and the earth able to create life and light in us? Well, sh absolutely. Jesus Christ the man. He's Jesus Christ the Lord. He's Christ Jesus the anointed Savior. God has committed all things into His hand. All things. He left His throne to be born in a manger. He, the infinite one, was made an infant. What a condescension. What humility. He's the brightness of the Father's glory. He upholds all things by His power. He by Himself purged our sin. Why wouldn't any sinner want Him? He came into the world to save sinners. It's faithful saying. It's trustworthy. You can trust it. Now the question is this. Is it nothing to you? He said, is there any sorrow like mine? It was... His Father who afflicted Him. He did so in the day of His fierce anger. That anger was meant for you and me. Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God because He was equal with God in every way. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And friends, He's worthy of our acceptance. He's worthy of our believing. He's worthy of our bowing. He's the only one that can be trusted to put our sin away. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come to God by Him. The word uttermost there means forevermore. He's able to save evermore, forever, eternally, those that come to God by Him. And that's the reason that it, here's the reason that it's forevermore, seeing that He ever liveth to make intercession for us. God is on the throne right now praying for you, Linda. He's on the throne right now praying for sinners like us. He forever maketh intercession for us. On the cross, our anointed Savior groaned under the yoke of oppression. Why? Because all the sin of all God's people throughout all time was put on Him. And you consider the multitude of your sin alone. Well, I could, couldn't count all the times that I've sinned this week or today for that matter. But all the sin, all your sin, and then you multiply that by the great number of all God's people throughout all time. My, what oppression that must have been. This oppression caused Him to sweat great drops of blood. He was forsaken by all of His friends. He went into the garden and took his, uh, his, some of His disciples with Him and they fell asleep as He prayed. He said, could you not watch with me one hour? No, we can't. We can't. He was mocked, despised, and ridiculed. He was beaten and scourged. His visage was marred more than any 
other, before or after. He didn't resemble a man. He died the death of a criminal on the cross. And it was all for whom He came to save. And this is the Savior of whom our text speaks. Christ Jesus, the Savior, came into this world to save sinners. Secondly, let's consider the sinner. That's who Christ came to save. A person who transgresses against God's divine law. An offender. One who's offensive to God. Did you know that in and of yourself you're offensive to God? Sin means to miss the mark. It means to deserve the penalty. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Synonyms for sin are a wrongdoer, an evildoer, reprobate, immoral, wicked, scandalous. All sin against God. It's all against God. Psalm 51.4 David said that we were shaped in iniquity. That we were conceived in sin. Our parents brought forth one of their own kind. A carnal, sinful, fleshly mind is enmity, hostile. That's what the word means. Toward God. By nature, all of us have hostility toward God. And a man that tells me that they're not, a woman that tells me that they're not, have yet to see, them, see themselves as they are, and God is who He is. Paul professed to be the chief of sinners. You know, if Paul was the chief of sinners, what does that make me? Look at uh, verse 13. Paul wrote, who's before a blasphemer, not just one who curses, but one who curses God. That's what a blasphemer is. You know John Newton that wrote Amazing Grace? He wrote that after the Lord saved him. He didn't know nothing about it before. It was said of John Newton before the Lord saved him that he could curse for an hour and never use the same word. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about one who curses God. A blasphemer is one who speaks irreverently of sacred things, primarily God and His Christ. Our Lord said in John chapter 8, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. The servant of sin. Being a servant of sin is to be biased and bent towards sin. Being a sinner is one who gives themselves to sin. Those who sell themselves to a work of wickedness. Those who make sin their trade and, and business and employment. Those who take delight and pleasure in sin. Those that sin has dominion over. Those who obey the lust of the flesh. Those who are slaves to sin. You know, this week as I was making some notes, I often get in a hurry and I meant to write salvation, and I wrote slavation. Well, I thought about that, and being a servant of sin is just that. It's slavation, isn't it? To sin is slavation, not salvation. That's every one of us by nature, birth, and practice, unless the Lord divinely intervened. But God, but God, as we looked at in the first hour. All have sinned. None doeth good. Everyone comes short of the glory of God. Everyone. All of us. Paul continues in verse 13 and he says, 
I was a persecutor. That word persecutor means double-minded. James said that one that's double-minded is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, he said. A persecutor is one who subjects others to hostility. Paul was that. You know his story. He held the cults of those who stoned Stephen. He drugged men and women out of their own homes and threw them into prison for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a persecutor. Unstable. A persecutor is one who harasses and annoys persistently. Paul continues and says, I was injurious. Despiteful, causing damage, hurt, and harm. One who's dangerous and destructive. That's what we are by nature. That's what a sinner is. And that's what a sinner does. But then Paul added, but I obtained mercy. Every believer can say that. I was, I was a persecutor. I was injurious. I, I, I was blasphemous. But I obtained mercy. He says, I obtained mercy because I was ignorant and unbelief. You see, our sin springs forth from ignorance. Ignorance that sin is what we are. Ignorant of God's holiness. Ignorant of God's righteousness. We're poor. We're blind. We're unbelieving. We're hardened creatures. But in spite of these things, God in Christ has mercy on His chosen people. And it's only in Christ. Oh, it's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, Paul thought that what he was doing was what what he did was what he was supposed to do. And we justify our actions so much. Well, this is what's just doing what comes natural. That's our problem. That's our problem. Our Lord said they'll put you out of the synagogues. Yea, and the time's going to come that whatso that whosoever killeth you thinks that he's doing God's service. In verse 14 here, Paul added, and the grace of our Lord was, oh, I love this, these two words, exceeding abundant. It exceeds abundance. You fill a glass to the top and you keep pouring water into it, it overflows. That's God's mercy and grace to us. It overflows. God's grace, mercy, and love and faith is given to us in Christ. It can be found nowhere else. That is who Christ came to save sinners. He came to give sinners who were dead, dead in trespasses and sin. Wicked sinners. Immoral sinners. Moral sinners. Immoral and moral. Religious sinners. The chief of sinners. Are you a blasphemer? Are you a persecutor? Are you an injurious person? That's who Christ came to save. What good news. What good news. Christ came to save biblical sinners. You ever heard that term? Well, think about it. That's the kind of sinner that the Bible describes. Not the kind of sinner the world defines, but a biblical sinner. The kind of sinner that God declares. Uh, Not those that are basically good with a few faults, 
Not those who do the best that they can. I can't tell you how many times I've asked, I asked a man a few years ago now, I said, what is your hope of being saved? Being, having eternal life in his heaven? He said, that I, my hope is that I do the best I can. I just do the best I can. Well, that's not good enough. It's got to be perfect to be accepted. God won't accept anything less than perfection. The world defines sinners as those who are righteous in their own eyes, but have made some bad choices. We haven't made anything but bad choices. Not those who treat people as they want to be treated. That's not going to do it. But the chief of sinners, the worst of the worst, the most wicked and vile of sinners, those who walk in the mire of depravity, those who drink iniquity like water, that's a biblical sinner. That's those who see that they are what God declares them to be. And that God is who He declares to be. Any faith, any trust, any dependence in Christ that a dead sinner have has is God that gave it to him. Look at verse 12. Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted, commanded, made, judged me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You see, the believers judge faithful when they're judged in Christ. <laughs> he counted us faithful the same way He did Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. How does one who is dead believe God? We're saved by grace through faith. That's not of ourselves. Both grace and faith are the gift of God. Not by our works. Not by our doing. It's not of ourselves. It's what? It's the gift of God. Christ is the gift of God for enlightened sinners. He will teach transgressor His ways, transgressors His ways, and sinners shall be converted unto Him. Psalm 51.13 Christ didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners, transgressors, the worst of the worst, the chief of sinners to repentance. He was called a friend to publicans and sinners. And what an amazing thought that Christ was betrayed into the hands of sinners and it was sinners that He came to save. What a wonder of wonders. He ate with publicans and sinners. Why? Because they were the ones who needed a physician. They were the ones that were sick. Those that are sick and diseased need help. Do you see that you need help? He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And He joined Himself to sinners to save them. Hebrews 7.26 He who endured such contradiction from sinners came into the world to save sinners. The only qualification for grace is need. That's it. Those that are well have no need, but those that are sick do. Are you a biblical sinner? Then you qualify for God's grace. Then lastly, the text tells us of the salvation of sinners. Are you interested? Christ didn't come into the world to love the world. He didn't come into the world to be an example. Christ didn't come to be a worldly king. And He definitely didn't come to make salvation possible. 
Christ came to give His life a ransom for many. Not all the world, but for many. Christ came to call sinners to repentance. Not those that are well. Not those that are good in their own eyes. Christ came to the world to save sinners. Biblical sinners. See, I was born in sin. I was condemned. Born condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. I was dead because of my sin and my trespasses. From childhood to adolescence, from adolescence to adulthood, I had one foot in hell and the other on a slippery slope. Despising God and hating Christ. But Christ came to save me, Tom. The worst of the worst. We can by no means save ourselves. We cannot come to Christ that we might have life. And we will not come to Christ that we might have life. We don't have the ability or the will. That Ethiopian might sooner change the color of his skin than one who is accustomed to do evil can do good. For though thou wash thee, though thou wash thee with nitre, that meaning acid, and take thee much soap, Yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. How canst thou say, I am not polluted? None of us can honestly say that. Jeremiah 2.22 And our pollution is inward. It's not outward. Outwardly, we're like beautiful sepulchers. That's what he said of the Pharisees. But within, full of corruption. Dead men's bones. Inwardly, nothing but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores oozing with corruption that haven't been doctored, mollified, or bound up. That's what we are, inwardly. But God was pleased to lift us up out of the dust and out of the dunghill to set us among princes. And He makes us to inherit the throne of God. And I emphasize that word makes. He makes us. Who are these princes? God's people called by grace. That's who these princes are. Those who have been redeemed by Christ. Sons of the King of kings by adoption. To never be anything else. God to keep the feet of His saints. We're kept by the power of God. Our Lord doesn't do this against our will by force. He simply makes us willing in the day of His power. Well, you won't find anybody going into heaven kicking and screaming and fighting. They've been made willing to go. Humbly go. Religion has portrayed the Lord as helpless, altogether one like unto themselves. God's going to reprove and set things in order. The God of the Bible does what He wills. Whatsoever the Lord please, that did He. Oh, I like that. That did He. He does what He wills in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Is this your God? Are you a sinner? Will you trust His Savior? This is the issue. I recently read a little modern day parable. I'm not sure who wrote it. I thought it was pretty good. The devil and his cohorts were devising plans to get people to reject the Gospel and His Christ, and the Lord's Christ. One said, let's go to sinners and say there is no God. And silence prevailed because every devil knew that most people profess to believe in God. You'll be hard-pressed to find someone today 
that says they don't believe in God. That's not going to work. Another suggested, let's tell them there is no hell, no future punishment for the wicked. And that recommendation was also rejected because religion has made men to fear hell and punishment. That's not going to work, they said. Then came a voice from Satan himself, the deceiver, the father of lies. And he said, go tell them there is a God. Go tell them there is a hell. Go tell them that the Bible is the Word of God. And all the demons of hell were surprised. And then Satan added, but tell them that there's plenty of time to decide. There's plenty of time to believe. There's plenty of time to come. Their nature will cause them to neglect the Gospel, to put it off until it's too late. And all hell corrupted with Ghoulish glee, for they knew that if a sinner procrastinated to come to Christ, that more than likely they would never come. What hinders you from coming to Christ? Once during an ice storm, a bridge collapsed. Cars continued to travel toward the bridge and they plunged into the icy river below. And one man stopped before plunging over and climbed out of his car and stood on the highway trying to stop others from plunging over. But car after car drove by him, ignored him, unaware of the danger that lie ahead. He'd wave and shout, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. But none stopped. Finally, he took off his coat. Happened to be a yellow raincoat. He thought, they'll see this. And he stood in the middle of the highway and he waved his jacket and he refused to move. And one angry driver stopped abruptly and shouted, what do you think you're doing? And the man replied, trying to get your attention to escape the danger and the death that lies ahead. That's what I'm endeavoring to do this morning. Trying to get the lost attention. Trying to warn the lost as to what lies ahead. The foolishness of preaching is the means that God uses to save the lost. And it's foolishness to all who persist on taking that broad way that leads to destruction and plunge into the pit of not icy river water, but the fire of hell. Our message is simple. It's a faithful message. It's worthy of our attention, our acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If He'll save me, Paul said, the chief of sinners, He'll save you. In closing, look at verse 16. Paul said, How be it for this cause... I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Paul said, if He saved me, He'll save you. I'm the worst. There's, there's no sin you can commit that'll keep other than unbelief that keep you out of heaven's glory. And friends, if God saved Saul of Tarsus, and if God saved me, none are too far gone to be saved. And I close with verse 17. 
now and to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, Miss Linda, if you would come, let's sing a closing hymn. 310 in the hymn book, if you would. Please stand with me as we sing.
Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your mercy and grace. And thank you for giving us a new heart to believe the truth of the gospel, the true gospel of one Pray that you make your word effectual. Thank you for what we heard. Pray that you keep us this week. Keep us looking to Christ, looking away from this world and all the the trouble in this world, keep us, keep our eyes fixed on Him, our only hope. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen.